Good evening, Yellow Jacket Country. I'm Athletic Director Chuck Jaco, and you are inside the hive. Wow, I gotta say, welcome in here, episode five. That was probably the best introduction we've had so far. The delivery, first take, beautiful. Welcome in here, people. Episode five, Joel. Can you believe this is already the fifth one of these we're doing? It's been a wild ride. Cannot believe they still let us do this after the first four. (laughs) But uh, we got a lot to unpack here, and uh, hopefully you guys listen to the whole thing. It's going to be awesome. So, Mr. Jacob, give us a little bit about a background of who you are and uh, what you do for Perrysburg. Absolutely. So, um, I kind of kind of start with the beginning of my education career. I started off as a, a junior high middle school teacher over at Northwood Middle School. Um, that's actually where I graduated from. So, it was kind of cool to come back and be part of the staff of a small school. All my teachers were still there. Um, <coughs> while I uh, was in college, actually, I started coaching. And uh, when I first got my first teaching job, I was the head varsity track coach. I was 22 years old. I took the boys' head job on. I was a varsity assistant basketball coach, and I was a varsity assistant football coach. And um, I went on to teach for uh, 10 years at Northwood Middle School. And throughout that time, I had actually coached 11 consecutive years of three sports. So essentially put 33 seasons Mm -hmm. in of coaching. And throughout those 11 years, I, I became the head boys' basketball varsity coach. Uh, I stayed the head boys track coach throughout my entire career. In football, I would go back and forth. I ran the middle school program for a few years, would come back up and uh, help with the high school staff. Um, Around my 11th year, I decided I think – I thought I was going to be a basketball coach forever, right? That was was my goal. And then I thought, you know, as far as professionally, I wanted to advance into administration. So I went and got my principal license through the state of Ohio, through Bowling Green State, even though I'm a Toledo Rocket. Uh, I did take a cohort through BGSU mm-hmm. to get my principal license. I also got my superintendent license. And at that time, I started looking for some administrative positions, and I was uh, fortunate to get my first administrative job at Penner Career Center as the dean of students. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that for five years. Um, I could certainly write a book about some of the things <laughs> and adventures that I had to deal with Ooh. during that time. But Ooh, that, set me up. that set me up um, the relationships and the ability to work with those students who were a little at risk, but kind of getting them on track and mm-hmm. graduate. And I see those kids today, they all apologize for the way they <laughs> treated me and made my life miserable for a while. But that was the best experience for administration. Um, did that for five years. Uh, then through Penner Career Center, worked my way around to different vocational programs. I ran the arts, business, and health programs, digital video production. That's why I'm excited about this. That was one of the programs I did supervise at Penner. Um, I did that for 10 years as an administrator. And then after my 20th year, my dream job opened up, and I've had my eye on Perrysburg High School's athletic director position. With all my coaching background, 10 years of already having an administration, and I had, I've lived in Perrysburg mm-hmm. uh, when I applied for 10 years. I've been in Perrysburg for 20. Um, I ran, like, junior jackets, big gold, right? I did all those things. So kind of had a pretty unique resume, was hoping. I knew it would be a really competitive uh, talent pool to get this position, but uh, I was blessed to get that job, and this is now my eighth year as the athletic director. So this is my 28th year in education. That's great. Um, obviously, you have a long track record of coaching and coaching athletics. How did you get your start in actually playing athletics? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, like, like all young kids, you know, you, you, you start off in, at, at a youth program. You know, when we were growing up, um, back when I grew up, there wasn't the travel and club circuit, right? So mm-hmm. you literally played – 
one sport in the fall. I was a three-sport athlete. And then, you know, you went to that winter sport, spring sport. So, you know, in late fifth grade, you started playing YBA, which was YMCA basketball. Yep. We didn't have a big gold or a little league football. We didn't start tackle football until seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Basketball, baseball, you're playing your whole life on a rec team, right, with your buddies from the neighborhood versus kids from other neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Kind of missed that, those days of, of that concept. So, um, you know, three-sport athlete, started in seventh grade and all the way through high school. You know, and even, you know, opportunities came for college ball, and I thought, you know, I wanted to stay home. I did not pursue anything. I had opportunities to play football, like at Tiffin, basketball at Ohio Dominican, but I decided, you know, you had a, I had a high school girlfriend who was going to Toledo. <laughs> I stayed home, and it, but I'm glad that that was my path because it worked out, you know. Became an intramural rec hero at the mm-hmm. UT Rec Center back in the day, and that's kind of, you know, athletics, my parents will tell you, have always been in my life. Um, I either wanted to be a coach or I don't know how, if this is getting ahead still, but or, or a sports broadcaster, right? So I was, like, torn. Like, I wanted to go into education, um, but I also always wanted to be a sportscaster, mm-hmm. right? So um, sitting here today is kind of like both <laughs> both dreams merging into one awesome opportunity. So, mm-hmm. uh, But, no, athletics has always been a part of my life as, as a player and as a coach and, and now as an athletic director. It's just something that's been embedded. I've got a, a huge family of athletes, some – professional boxers professional football players we can talk about that later but it's just something that's just been part of my life and the way i'm wired yeah. so mr jaco obviously you have quite the resume when it comes to your athletic career but what would you say your favorite high school sports memory would be so this this is a this is a true story this play is now outlawed in the state of ohio i was the last person to be able to pull this off it was a play called the hideaway we were seven and oh we're playing eastwood who's seven and oh I want you to follow what happened here. Two people came into the huddle. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Sorry. One person came into the huddle. Yeah. Two of us left the field. One of us went all the way to the sideline. Myself stayed on the field facing – my left foot was on, the, was on the line of scrimmage facing in. And I was standing here with my arms crossed like I was camouflaged into being on the sideline. Gotcha. I was still in the play. The defensive back was 12 yards in, staring at the quarterback. And, 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 I, and even to this day, can remember watching the film when the crowd thought the quarterback, where is he throwing the ball? It looked like it was going out of bounds. Mm-hmm. But it was, that was wide open. Nobody was guarding me. It was a 68-yard touchdown to, to, to kind of get the crowd fired up. It's called the hideaway, the sleeper play. They actually banned it that year because the rule is you have to be so many yards from the huddle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really cool high school memory. You know, I, I, I hit a last-second shot once against Eastwood, and the kid was six foot eight. I put a nice little shot fake <laughs> on him and got under his armpit and scooped it in on the buzzer. I mean, those are things that really stick out. Our baseball team in high school made it to the Final Four, too, against a really talented Coldwater team. But, um, yeah, those were the three that, you know, personally stand out for me. Now, you stopped by our lunch table today wearing your old football jersey, the crop top number 87. Yes, yes, Does that number come anywhere when you were growing up, inspiration, you yeah. wanted to be 87? Or? Yeah, I mentioned uh, I have a cousin. It's my dad's cousin. He was number 87. He uh, played at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. That was his number. He was a tight end. We, we have a long lineage of tight ends uh, in our family. So 87 was the number he wore. He played for the Houston Oilers when that was the team. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, 87 came from you know my dad's cousin, uncle, my cousin Bill. So. So, Mr. Jaco, um, how did you become the athletic director at Perrysburg High School? Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, you know, there was uh, obviously an open uh, process. It was an an application. I knew Mr. Pullman was close to retiring and had a lot of respect and followed his career and, and, uh, 
you know, it was just something I had my eye on as a dream job, and this is kind of where I saw myself ending my career if I could get it. And so, you know, it was a process, right? It was a, it was one of the most intense interviews. It was a committee interview. There had to be 30 people when I walked in the library. And, you know, you have to sell yourself and make yourself stand out like you do in any job, right? So, um, you know, that was it was no, just like any other job you get. You apply and you go through the interview process. And, and I was, you know, really appreciative and grateful that the administration at the time you know, had the belief and confidence in me to, to take over such a, you know, successful program that Mr. Pullman had established. He was a longtime AD before him. Uh, Miss Peabody was an AD. So we've only had like, you know, in 35 years, there's only been two or three athletic directors. So it was important that, you know, Perrysburg Schools got the right person. And I'm blessed every day to even eight years later, I'd never take a day for granted for getting this job. Great. Now, you mentioned that longevity when it comes to the athletic director's position. When you were initially hired and got the job, what do you feel was the most important thing you needed to do to kind of be successful at it? So, you know, this position, what was unique is that, like, you think about a house. So the foundation was already built, right? The, the, the house was built. The foundation was built. So my job was to come in and maybe do just do some interior decorating, right? So mm-hmm. maybe some different, maybe different color room. We're going to paint here and some new carpet here, right? There was not a lot of reconstruction construction of any athletic program. I mean, I was blessed to inherit some very talented coaches and great players. Um, so I kind of came in and, you know, as, as in any job and any new position, especially in leadership, you really sit back, you study the culture, you know, your first year you just, you watch, and then your second year you start asking questions, and then your third year in any you start making some changes and things like that. But really, this was a job that was a blessing because I didn't have to go in and have an overhaul of anything. It was already up and running. Uh, the blueprint was there. And, uh, you know, I'd like to think we've made it just some small tweaks and some enhancements here and there, um, you know, and surrounding myself with great people. I've had the ability over the last eight years to bring in some head coaches that I, I got to hire, but I'm also equally, you know, still um, working with those veteran coaches that were here before I got here. So it's a great blend of half the staff are people that I got to hire and then the other half are people that I've been, you know, enjoyed working with and they've been here talk about longevity we've got some coaches that's really unique you don't see that longevity in coaches here but there's a reason why people stay for a long time at perrysburg so mr jaco obviously you replaced a long time successful athletic director do you look up to them or do you replace or, or do you have anyone else that you look for for advice in your career yeah so that's a great question mr pullman has been an amazing advisor and mentor and i'm and i'm fortunate that he's still a member of uh, of our team as our school board member right so he's served the school board president and so i've been able to call mr pullman even today even eight years later there's still things that come up um I've been fortunate in my role as an athletic director to take a leadership role at the state level. I'm the secretary for the state AD association, so I'm on the exec board. I work with some phenomenal athletic directors from the Cleveland area, Cincinnati area, Columbus area. Through that time, some of the gentlemen that have uh, come and gone are like Jerry Snodgrass, who was the former commissioner for the Ohio High School Athletic Association. You could text Mr. Snodgrass and and, and have any type of question because there's a lot of things that come at you in this job. Um, And so to have somebody like him, uh, Bruce Brown, who unfortunately has has passed away over the last two years, was an amazing mentor when I first started as an athletic director. He ran the OIAAA, and these people instilled – uh, the, the need and passion, you know, of every day of wanting to be an athletic director because you make that impact on student-athletes. How do you still, when you're not a coach or teacher, find a way to have direct impact on student-athletes? Those people were able to provide that guidance. So, yeah, I've had quite a few people. And even today, the networking is so important in this job. 
um, to have other athletic directors that you can lean on and say, hey, how did you handle this? Or what do you do about captain selection? Or, you know, how did you handle your turf project and things of that nature? So constantly network, networking with ADs across the state, yes. Now, do you have any sort of morning routine that you go through every day when you come to work? Is there some sort of process that you go through, things you look to yeah, do every day? so, you know, keeping up with emails is, and text messages <laughs> is, is quite an animal. Um, it's, if you don't uh, take 30 minutes and close your door and just go through the email system, it, you can get buried uh, three, four pages worth of just emails overnight that come in and all sorts. So you, you kind of prioritize what needs to be answered now, what can be wait, wait till tomorrow, you know, and you just prioritize your day. Uh, but I always joke with, with teachers and Mr. Bergaud kind of used this against me the other day. He says, is your car in park yet? I always tell people when I put my car in park, other than checking emails in the morning, I have no idea what my day is going to be like. Mm. And I like that. I kind of like the uncertainty of of what's going to hit me today. You just can't, sometimes you just can't plan for emergencies and, and things that come to your way. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when I come in the morning, um, I got a long day ahead of me, right? Yeah. I, you know, you work first and second shift. And so, you know, you kind of got to get your day planned and, and look at what's, what, it all depends on what's at night. Am I going to be here till nine or 10 o'clock? And you got to prioritize things, stretch it out. But, you know, morning routine, coffee at Duncan, right? You know, so give them a free shout out. But I, I got I got to get my Dunkin' coffee and get ready to roll. So, yeah. What's your go-to Dunkin' coffee? Oh, I mean, an extra large with, I, you know, I used to go five creams, three sugars. I'm, I am on a little bit of a diet. So I'm trying to I'm trying to cut back on the creamers and the sugar and trying hot tea has been mm, something Mr. Cookson. wonderful. Yeah, Mr. Cookson. I've always, I've drank it before. I kind of forgot about it and reintroduced it. So, but. Yeah, I mean, there's just something about Dunkin' Coffee. I don't know. It just gets me going. It's good stuff. Now, speaking about free shout-outs here, we're, we're Inside the Hive podcast. How close are we to a little sponsorship deal here with Inside the Five? What can you tell us about a little bit of what we could potentially be doing here on the podcast in the future? Are you talking about Inside the Five, the restaurant? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I mean, we have a very unique uh, system set up in place. So one of the things I'm most proud of is how we've handled sponsorships and as a way to supplant our athletic programs. You can't just rely on ticket sales, mm-hmm. which is really what the budget is for an athletic department. So we've been pretty aggressive. I mean, you can see the scoreboard behind us is a prime example of there's 40 digital ads running on that thing where we used to have eight static ads, right? So you're constantly selling that. So I always use my position to meet with different restaurants. We're always open to suggestions of who wants to be the official breakfast coffee supplier of Yellow Jacket Athletics. And, mm-hmm. you know, Marco's Pizza has that exclusivity with us for, for pizza at the concessions. At this time, I've not been in any kind of communication with Inside the Five. So since you've asked, i got to be honest with you, but the uh, conversations are always open. We're always looking for that. I know they work with private groups. We have parent groups mm-hmm. that have they've catered things of that nature. So um, we've got certain restaurants that have been staples in Perrysburg that have helped support us, but uh, you know, there, nobody has a complete exclusivity, and we're always open to, you know, working with any partnership with any business and restaurant in town. So. Inside the hot, inside the five, if you're listening, we would love to do a deal. I mean, we're not just saying that to say that. I feel like we bring a lot to the table here. Quality product, quality food. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I have a good feeling year two of this program is going not going to be in the, the Huskinson Athletic Center weight room. We'll definitely – Take it back. To, we used to be on the road, right? We used mm-hmm. to do Monday coaches shows at Frickers, and, and they're still a big sponsor, and there's no reason why we can't rotate. You know, I could name five or six different restaurants right now off the top of my head that we could have this show at every week. So we'll, we'll expand, and it will manifest into that. And 
make sure you, you guys and gals are taken care of with some good food. So, Mr. Jacob, we're going to shift the conversation yeah. over to the NOL a little bit. Sure. What do you feel uh, it means for the NOL to be expanded next year? It's, it's, just, it's, just, a, it's just a monstrous uh, compromise between the bigger schools and the small. You have to understand up to that decision and that expansion, we were, we were a league that had four Division One, two teams and four Division Three, four teams. That that just there's not leagues that can coexist like that. You mm-hmm. can't. There's a lot of reasons why. Um, you know, you know, everybody thinks it's football driven, but at the end of the day, there are there is a computer system for points, and when you're playing D three and fours, it does that, us no good, and, and just the opposite from a competitive perspective and numbers wise for a D four to be playing D ones, and so you know, there's a lot of talk about what could we do to make both both those programs and schools happy, and we kind of I think came up with a pretty cool concept with the Buckeye division and the Cardinal division bringing in some more D1, D2 teams for us. Um, and it's not just football, like girls sports. We have trouble. Um, we'll be playing somebody in girls freshman basketball and four of the five schools won't have that. JV soccer. Well, now we're adding teams that are going to have numbers, Finley and Whitmer, right? We're going to have larger teams, larger programs. And that's just the benefit to us. But on the flip side, you know, when we make these decisions, I, I mean, I think what makes the Northern Lakes League really unique is the partnership that I have with other ADs, and I want what's best for them too, right? So I wasn't in there obviously looking out for Perrysburg number one, but being able to step back and think what's best for the league, not just Perrysburg. What was best for the league is bringing Clay and Fremont Ross in so that Bowling Green and, and Napoleon – Right, they now have in Springfield are over in the D four, D three side, and it's just it's a really nice balance. We've spent a lot of time. It's been a challenge working on all twenty six sport teams over the last six months. Every team's like, how does the schedule work in golf? Do we play all all eleven teams? Is there a crossover? Do we play teams just in the Buckeye division twice? Certain sports we do, like in soccer, we're going to play everybody in the Buckeye division twice. No crossovers in basketball. And so we've massaged it. Now, we're not done building this league, right? 11's not the end number, but it's a start. And I don't know if you've heard, and I don't know if this is a question, but one of the coolest things that just happened this week, I need everybody to make sure you're listening to this announcement. There is no high school conference in the United States of America that has their own network. And starting the fall of 2023, there will be an NLL network on BCSN. You know, we have the Big Ten channel. We have the SEC network. The NLL network will be all things Northern Lakes League, from, from music, arts, theater, to, to, to obviously athletics. All day long, you're going to have nothing but things like feature programs, streaming, things of this nature, obviously all of our contests. No other league has that. So what a selling point to go on the road now as we continue to expand and, and look to fill out those other spots. We want to get to 16. <laughs> Who would not want to be part of a league that has that opportunity? So that just came out this week. Brand new press, re- breaking news press release. So that's pretty exciting stuff. The NLL Network. I mean, think about that. Yeah. So What a great way to break that on this show. You know, bring some new listeners yes, in. NLL yes, Network breaking on the Inside yeah, the Hive Inside podcast. Inside the Hive will definitely be a feature because what that's, we want to highlight to me, what's important as an educator is student-led initiatives, right? So what we've done with, you know, Mr. Rogers as our sport information director, this Jack and Sports Network thing has been a vision of ours for a long time, and, but I want it to be student-led. So when we look at, you know, who's working the scoreboard operations, who's doing the videos, who's doing the hype videos, who's running podcasts, it's students, right? What a great first-world experience for each of you as you go out and build your resumes. This is just phenomenal. I mean, I'm just tickled to be here. I'm really excited for Thank you for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I truly mean that's what we'll, we will feature this. I'm, I'm, I'm working on 
and we'll be submitting to get an award of excellence for Perrysburg as one of the top high school athletic programs in the state. And this is the type of stuff that I'm going to be submitting when I say what we're doing, what makes us different, how do we stand out, and stuff like this program right here. Now, they don't get enough support. Shout out to our producer, Taylor Rogers, and our editor, Janie Wagner, who Absolutely. gets us out on time every week, does a lot for us. Joel and I just sit here and talk. We have nothing else that is put into this podcast. There's a lot of effort that does not get seen behind the scenes there. Well, behind any successful program of any nature, there's people behind the scenes running the show. So, yes. Now, we talked about the expansion of the NLL, but there's also something that I've been blessed to be a part of in the NLL that is the NLL Leadership Conference. Can you tell us a little bit about what you think that means to the league's overall success? Yeah, so back to my same philosophy of student-led messages, right? So when we talk about sportsmanship, I mean, everybody needs to understand as successful as we are as a, as a program across the board, nothing is more important than sportsmanship amongst our teams. And so the NLL has taken a, a, a leadership role in promoting that. And, it, again, it comes from the students. When you go there, I mean, when you go to our gym and you see the sportsmanship guidelines, the students created that. The students created our mission statement. The students in the NLL created all the expectations of what we expect out of our spectators. That came from the kids. And, and so what a powerful way to bring in your student leaders from eight different schools who are, you know, pretty – could be enemies on the field, right, and arch rivals. You bring them together in a room and you work on the, uh, probably the most important message out there, sportsmanship, because the official crisis is real. It's impacting us, and if we don't get everybody on the same page with sportsmanship. So, yeah, the NLL Leadership Conference is, is another staple of our league that really makes me proud to be part of the Northern Lakes League. Yep. Mr. Jago, could you talk to us a little bit about how stressful it is to schedule events for all sports in the NLL? Well, so so what people need to understand, within the league, we have what's called assigners, right? So you pay people uh, to help facilitate that because there's no one human being who can schedule 26 sports. We have 73 teams. We have over 720 contests a year. So you, you pay a, a fee to a baseball assigner. So you'll submit on Arbiter, which is the contract program we use, and then this assigner will go out and get officials, right? So um, for basketball and football, we have an assigner. For soccer, we have a different assigner. Um, but So there's a lot of moving parts, though. When you build a schedule, even with an assigner, that consumes a lot of my day. I mean, it's a jigsaw puzzle. Do we have a girls' game that night? Can I host a boys' basketball game on this date? Oh, wait, we have a girls' basketball. Oh, wait, we have the pit tournament for wrestling. Um, when you massage it, non-league, who are you bringing in on Saturdays? Well, I can't have the girls playing non-league on the same day that we have a JV football game, but the boys are supposed to play Avon Lake. And so you have this my, – my office is just full of it, but that's how I love my brain. I like that stuff, those lateral thinking skills. So scheduling the master schedule – is 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 quite a task, but I would like for you to know here on Inside the Hive, I have our football schedule booked all the way to 2030. So I'm ahead of the game. So football is ready to roll until uh, 2030. I've got non-league teams lined up, weeks one and two. So um, that takes a lot of pressure off because there's that's a big deal is, is figuring that stuff out. So now we talked about scheduling a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about? The Ohio referee shortage, I know you've yeah. mentioned it to us students, but a lot of our listeners may not know how big of a problem that really is. Yeah, so, you know, about three, four years ago is the first time at the code of conduct meetings that I started warning people that it's coming. Now I can go in there and say it's here and it's happened and it's impacted us. We've had to cancel our own games. Uh, we've had to move games from different dates, different times. We've had to start later. 
and I have seen, and I'm sure you've seen in the paper, like there have been Friday night football games in areas around us that have had to move games to Thursday night. Um, it's real. It's here. It's across the board. It's not in just one sport. Um, the message coming from us is to try to get the young people as they graduate, as you go through your next you know, level of life, is to pick up officiating as a side job, as a hobby, as a part-time passion. Um, we need our kids as they graduate, those seniors, to consider taking these official classes. Um, so it's here. We've moved games. We're going to continue to move games. We've been warned next year he can't fill weeks 9 and 10 for football. There's just not crews. Crews are coming out of, like, you take your officiating class. Is, and you usually would start with freshman football. A couple years you move your way up. There are people coming right out of the class right to Friday night football. I mean, and so it's, 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 uh, there's blackout dates for soccer that I can't schedule half the time. So it's, it's a challenge. It's frustrating. And that's one of the reasons why, I, you know, we just can't tolerate cause fan abuse towards officials. It's the number one reason that they leave. Um, I've heard it firsthand from officials. That is the reason why they're not out there. They're leaving in masses is because of the abuse. And I'm not saying so much here in Perrysburg. I think that, you know, for the most part, we're, we're pretty well class acts, and we try to raise the bar on that. And obviously I'm going to get in the middle of that and protect those officials. And, um, but we gotta, we got to recruit. And we got to get kids like you two mm-hmm. in, in, into this, into this uh, field, right? So that's the answer. Otherwise, we're not going to have high school sports. Sounds like a good opportunity. We'll yeah. have to look into it. Yeah, I've got plenty of information. I can tell you all the rough classes. Uh, the OHSA has a rough online now. You can get your certification and come see me at any time. I'll help you out. So, Mr. Jaco, now we're going to head into the big weekly segment called Flashback. This is where we review a controversial or hot topic that may spark conversation in the community. Last week, we talked to head football coach Dirk Connor and asked him his opinion on potentially getting a new haircut if (laughs) Perrysburg wins Region 2. So, Mr. Jaco, as an athletic director, would you consider getting a new hairstyle if any of our sports teams make it to the state Final Four? Okay, so let's... let's Volleyball's two wins away. Big game on Thursday. Got cross country volleyball and football still in the mix. All right, let's clarify something here. You said hairstyle. That now that to me is different than a haircut. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I think you could potentially pull off a mullet, maybe. Well, I'm kind of already, we, I'm we can go in a lot of different I ways here. There. I mean, I, I'm kind of trying to. Somebody had to bring it back, and I'm just trying to, on behalf of society, bringing back the mullets. I already kind of here. I'd hate the. I've worked really hard on this this length of my hair since COVID. I mean, are we talking like dyeing it a color? I mean, a hairstyle to me is like a color change, maybe some highlights, some tips. Maybe, maybe, maybe some highlights. Maybe but Coach, Coach Connor threw out the potential to have blue hair. I don't know if you want to go that far. But. I, I, I would be open to coloring the hair. I just, hey. I'm not sure. This is take, talk about flashbacks. This is taking me back to my freshman year in high school when hazing was something that people turned a blind eye that to. That is not what this is turning into. <laughs> and I had a this is just some, my hair this is just by some fun. Seniors. And I had my feathered hair flowing. I was uh, like in tears. So I don't want to have to go through a buzz cut, man. But if we win a state no. title, I got I to gotta consider helping something out. We got to do something, right? I don't think we'd be that cruel to make you do a buzz cut. Okay. No, 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 no. We could talk hair color. Of course. Now, should we leave it up to the student body? Say, I don't yeah, know, volleyball body. makes it to the state championship. Yes. Student body throws a couple ideas yeah. out, and yeah. you pick one? Yeah. Is that where we're at? I told you. everything's. I like student-led, student-directed, student-initiated. So it comes from the students. Give me some options, and then we'll go from there. I think a potential uh, Twitter poll could be in the mix. Oh. oh. Yes, sir. After the podcast, <laughs> students look out for a Twitter poll yeah. from Mr. Jaco. <laughs> 
So, Mr. Jacob, what do you feel that your greatest accomplishment within the athletic program here has been at Perrysburg to date? Wow, that's a really good question. Biggest accomplishment. Well, I mean, it's it's <laughs> with with the success that we've had, you know, in so many different programs. It's hard to just it would be unfair to say one sport that did this. I think overall, I think my biggest accomplishment is to truly promote student-based athletics to the coaching staff, to the students, to the parents. And, you know, my goal is now that I'm starting to see our student-athletes since I started, and I don't know, 20, the first group's 25, 26, and you see them out in society as productive members of society, that, that to me is my accomplishment, okay? Because there are so many transferable skill sets playing sports in high school that transfer to the real world that relate to real world success. And so giving each of you, we have 800 student athletes, that opportunity, whether you're the star player or a role player, it doesn't matter. You, you all equally benefit. I know it's a general generic answer, but overall, I think fostering that and promoting school-based athletics, even at a school like Perrysburg where we like to hang banners, we like to win, it's not our only goal. And I think people are catching on in my tenure that I'm truly about that. So I'm proud of that, yes. Now we talked. We just talked about your greatest accomplishment. Well, let's kind of flip it the other way. What do you think has been the biggest thing you've had to overcome here in your eight years as athletic director? Yeah, so I think time management. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, this is this is a big monster. I have a family, right? And, and so, trying to balance your personal life and uh, your family life and your professional life, and you know, you got to have outlets. You got to have some therapeutic releases. So therefore. Um, you know the biggest challenge when when you have when you're committed and invested as much as you are in our athletic program is that sometimes you do got to step back and take care of yourself personally and, and, and make sure your family. So that's 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 a challenge. You know, mixing it's it's a big it's a big ordeal and it's not just a matter of you know showing up at games and shaking hands. There's so much that goes into the behind the scenes, just like we talked about with our production crew for every contest that uh, you got to delegate to. And I'll be honest, that's probably for me, delegation, like, it's not that I have a control issue. I just feel like I want to have my hands and everything and be part of stuff. And so delegating for peace of mind and trusting I've got to surround myself with great people. Um, but I would think the biggest challenge overall is just balance, right? you got to have a balance in everything. So, Mr. Jacob, we're going to continue with the whole uh, challenge idea. Yeah. How has COVID challenged you in the way you do your job Time and the way you administer yes. the program? Redo. Back to the last question. Mm -hmm. Biggest challenge since I've been here. How could I forget? It's almost like I've been like going through therapy to get racist from my mind. Going through COVID in 2020 is the, was by far the worst thing I've ever endured in my life, period, professionally. It, it, I can't even – how many hours do we have to talk about how – challenge that was so i'm going to go back and answer the last two questions now my biggest accomplishment looking back now is getting us and navigating us with the help of our staff through covid and still being able to play sports even when we didn't have spectators even with limitations we, we pulled it off but wow that was that was tough i mean the spectator limitations and creating codes and, and monitoring all that and enforcing all the rules from the health department that was, that was something that every athletic director will, will tell you. But why do we do it? Because we love what we do and we want the kids to continue to play. So we, well, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was brutal. There's no way to sugarcoat 2020. <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you, now, now I'm starting to think of the, probably the worst thing I've ever had to do as an athletic director was 
there was a state send-off mm-hmm. for, for the wrestlers. And I tell this story, you know, at code of conduct meetings. And as far as never take a day for granted, I had to go into the locker room like an hour before the state send-off. Everybody was there and tell them that the governor just postponed all winter sports. Oh. Um, that, that was hard. I mean, these kids in the wrestling program put everything into the off season to get to that point, to always to have it pulled away. So there were some tough, tough conversations. And then having to cancel the spring of 2020 for those seniors, that was, that was awful. Mr. Jaco, so the Ohio High School Athletic Association recently announced that it will be adding boys volleyball and girls wrestling as emerging sports yep. starting the 2022 to 2023 school year. Can you talk to us a little bit about how these programs will be implemented at Perrysburg High School? Yeah, so we have kind of a board policy in place, and we already have interest for the volleyball side, for the for the boys' volleyball team. Um, but here at Perrysburg, there's a process, and, and you basically have to be a club for three years. And then if it's thriving and the numbers are there, uh, then the school district will then have a conversation about fully adopting them as a varsity sport. Um, but there's a lot of things in, in play when we do that. I mean, facilities, um, coaching, budget, and all that stuff, transportation. So right now, it's my understanding there is a there is some interest in men's volleyball and that they're going to try a club, do a club route. This is very similar to what our hockey program did, lacrosse, rowing, um, all went through the club process and became a varsity sport. Uh, and that just it's just a matter of time before we have interest in, in girls wrestling. So, you know, ultimately – at Perrysburg, we want to make as many opportunities as there are for our students. So if the OHSA has adopted the sport, we're gonna, we're, it, it won't be implemented immediately. There's a process, but we want to obviously be part of that. So I would expect in three years we'd have a volleyball varsity team. Now you talked a little bit about the budget there. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the athletic department allocates funds to each sports and how the boosters club gets involved in that? Yeah, so basically, you know, um, the athletic department – solely functions off of income from ticket sales, okay? So think about trying to plan your yearly budget and not knowing what the weather is going to be like on your five home Friday football games. And out of the 22 winter home games, how do I know if there's an ice storm that's going to impact attendance? So, you know, you get ticket sales, but then the the expenditures, I mean, officials are $70,000 a year to pay for officials and your game day workers. So at, at Perrysburg... We've been very uh, creative, and like I mentioned earlier, finding mm-hmm. alternative sources of revenue with the, with the sponsorships. Um, so from there, I use like the, my used data from the last three years. How much money did we bring in from girls soccer average a year? Use that as the budget for the year, and then each program has a set amount that I will help pay for. Okay. And it varies depending on the sport. However, what we've been really really good at is having these boosters very supportive with you know, helping us supplant what we do. So the, the boosters, the athletic boosters have been extremely generous. They do a lot of volunteer work to get us money. 12th we, man. The 12th man club. Um, each program has, you know, a parent group that's out raising money. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of parents being supportive and making donations on behalf of the thing. So it's a combination because we are such a large growing athletic department to, to offset, you know, with or, or, or go out and supplant with, revenue from alternative sources otherwise we wouldn't be able to survive i mean uniforms are on a cycle 
you know, football, and then you try to rotate every three years so that every every kid gets a brand new uniform once in their career. Um, but there's <laughs> there are sports that are very expensive with entry fees to tournaments and, and things of that nature. And so a budget as an athletic director is a big part of the job and, and being fiscally sound and, and making sure you are ahead of the game because, you know, official fees are going up to $100 a game just to try to recruit officials, as I was mentioning. I mean, that adds up when you have that many games. So... It's definitely a big part of having some fiscal responsibility and being creative, and I think we've done that with uh, as much digital advertising and sponsorships, things like Jacket Sports Network. You start going out and getting donors and sponsors, so it's a juggling act. Now, Mr. Jacob, we've obviously talked a little bit about what you do for your job. Now let's kind of get back to who you are a little bit. It's come to my attention that you have some very strong opinions about pizza, and I know, I'm sorry, listeners, we've done this a lot, but... It's what gets views. I'm sorry. So can you talk to us a little bit about your top five pizza places? Top five. Well, first of all, yes, I could eat pizza literally eight days a week if eight days existed. I'm Mm -hmm. a big pizza guy. Um, I got to be honest, I grew up on a a pizza that's a big part of Yellow Jacket Athletics, Marco's Mm -hmm. Pizza. I mean, as a kid, off of Woodville Road in Northwood, Ohio, every Friday my dad would come home from work. He was a truck driver, so he didn't know if he was going to be home at 3 or 10 o'clock at night. But when he showed up, it was Marco's Pizza time, man. Only on Payday Friday. <laughs> so Payday Friday, it was Marco's. And uh, it's to this day, I still love Marco's. Uh-huh. So Marco's is – however, if, so since we're ranking, there was a place called Miles Pizza down in Bowling Green, Ohio, that has closed. And a place called Pizza 516 mm-hmm. has, has kind of recreated, I would say, 95% of that recipe of what they, what they pull off down there. Um, so, I'm, I mean, those are my top two. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to be honest, I don't know if, if there is a 345. I hardly ever venture off between Marco's Pizza 516. I mean, when I'm in Detroit, Tom, I mean, there's a there's Detroit-style pizza, right? Mm-hmm. So you find all those places up there. I think it's called Tommy's Pizza, the mm-hmm. original Detroit pizza. When you're in New York, Sicilian style, I love deep dish in Chicago. I mean, you know, my heart, my biggest challenge is like, am I going thin crust? Are we yeah. doing, are we doing cheese stuff crust? You know, so um, I don't know if I've ever like in college, Bambino's Pizza would come around for like three bucks, and we would scrunch change out of your ashtray to kind of <laughs> pay for three dollars for a pizza and bring it into the fraternity house. And I love Bambino's. I don't know if there's a pizza I've ever taken a bite of and said, ooh. <laughs> right? I mean, Little Caesars for five bucks. Are you kidding me? Let's go. <laughs> so, but but for sure, Marco's. And I'm not just saying that because they are the exclusive pizza of Perrysburg Athletics. Not I trying grew, to lose that up, deal. <laughs> I grew up on Marco's. Um, but, man, Pizza 516 uh, is right up there. So we've got some gift cards to use at 516. I put together a little trivia team with some of my buddies. We're called the Vegas Dudes. You may or may not have heard of us. We have our own Twitter handle, the Vegas Dudes. And uh, it's a group of six Perrysburg dads, and we decided to go play trivia on Thursdays there. <laughs> and uh, we racked up quite a bit of money this summer. Oh! So got about one hundred in gift cards to go use at Pizza 516. So maybe we'll think about having a podcast over there. And, okay. So you there can, we go. Got to go sausage and jalapenos, though. Joel and I are not opposed, okay. I don't think. Joel, yes. are we? I'm absolutely not. Mr. Jago, so I had been blasted a few weeks ago for saying that sardines belong on pizza. What's your take Ooh, on that? So there's only a few toppings I won't go with, and uh, that's that's one of them, black olives, man. I mean, other than that, bring it on. Sorry, I've never had a sardine on a pizza in my life. I don't know what you're thinking. 
Yeah, you're wrong, Joel. See, just <laughs> so. you are just so far That's out crazy. there. It's crazy. Yeah. Speaking of your food habits, Joel and Mr. Jaco, you guys have talked a little bit about it. It's in the early stages about doing a little wing competition. I hear at B Dubs. Well, you know, so can urban, you talk to yeah, us a little bit about yeah, that? So, What's that going to look so, like here? You know, Urban Legend putting my you know street feelers out. I heard about this this uh, this feat. Of a young man named Joel Katie, right? And Urban Legend has it from my people on the street that he put down like 63 wings or something of that nature. Is that uh, true, Joel? Can we confirm? I believe it was more towards 70, actually. Whoa, whoa, whoa! So you know, so that kind of uh, that kind of piqued my attention. I thought, wow, that's that's a, that's a challenge. You know, back in the day, I could put down some wings. Now, so you know, jokingly challenged Joel. You know, the first time, and I think now it's become kind of a serious band. It has. It's kind it of has. For real. It's making its, its way around. around. The only uh, point of contention is what kind of sauce do we? Absolutely, have. that's the biggest and, thing here. You know, I'm disappointed to hear that. You know, he's that's just thinking it's barbecue sauce. That's yeah, that's that's Joel. Not, you would that's never. That's not the point of a winging. It's got to be like the hot, hot sauce, right? Hot. Yeah, I, mean, I know, Joel. You're not a big. I mean, you don't. Maybe, have... So maybe this is another twi- Twitter poll, like listeners out there. I mean, is the winging contest? Is it about the amount of barbecue wings you can put down, or is no. it how much you can it take should, of the heat? Yes. See, my, oh, wow, that is yeah, loud. Yeah, okay, because this is exciting. This is a passionate topic. <laughs> I get it. For me, the, t- the contest is about sustainability of the heat. I mean, that's Yes, dominant. I would agree. There's so got to be a factor there. That is That was the challenge in my mind, not I, – I don't know, man. So we'll have to figure this out. But I, I'm definitely looking forward to the challenge. Uh, he's a formidable opponent. Mm-hmm. I think his reputation is going to perceive himself, but you know I'm, I'm not afraid of any any individual in a winging contest. Another so very down. whether it's barbecue or not, it's going to happen. Very important question we need to answer here: Are these going to be boneless wings, or are we talking bone-in wings? Because that's a big controversy across the world. I think we should go bone-in flats specifically. Okay, yeah, I mean there's bone-in flats. So the flats have a very unique, in today's economy, uh, Joel. Unique, come uh, on, man. Okay, bone-in flats, not all drums. I'd be willing to go bone-in flats and do all medium. Why don't you just get oh, wings? I so mean, you compromise. ask for all flats. I mean, gonna, oh, listen, the medium comp- could be a compromise, but my agent's going to have to reach out to his and we'll, course. we'll figure this we'll out. Set that up. You know, this could be pay-per-view, so we'll see. Definitely a lot of draw to it there. So, Mr. Jaco, you've uh, been outspoken about Taco Bell's Mexican pizza. What is your go-to Taco <laughs> Bell order? I, you know, it tickles me that 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 I, I hope I'm glad that people think of me as as a Mexican pizza guy. So, I missed a question. You said Mexican pizza. I couldn't even. What, did you, what was the question? Because my mind's on a Mexican pizza. <laughs> so, excluding the Mexican pizza from oh, Taco Bell, gosh. what is your go-to Taco Bell? I mean, Bell the grilled order? stuffed chicken burrito was like restaurant quality. I can't believe they took it off the menu. It's just another item that doesn't make sense. But I'm gonna go simple. Sometimes simple is best. The beef Meximo. I mean. Those are just phenomenal. Right now, that's not on the menu, right? So Come on, Taco Bell. What are we doing? So it's probably going to be, uh, you know, you got the Crunchwrap Supreme, a Gordita, but um, Taco Supreme. I mean, the Dorito, to- the Taco Loco is pretty phenomenal. So uh, let's just hope that we just have the Mexican pizza forever on that menu. Yeah. So that kind of answers my next question. I was going to say, do you think uh, Taco Bell should keep the Mexican pizza on their menu forever, going yes. the direction of the McRib? Yeah, the, the McRib. I do like the McRib, too. People don't understand that one. That's a good Gone thing. forever. doesn't make it's sense. It's going to be gone forever. Oh, I don't get it. The Mexican pizza, there's no reason why to get rid of that thing. I mean, it's just it's a staple. So I hope it's there. Now, Mr. Jacob, let's talk a little bit more about your sports love there. I know you're an avid 76ers yes, fan. Yes. I am too. All right. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your per- 
favorite professional sports teams and some memories you have with those organizations? Yeah, so people like, how did you become a, like a Philly fan? Why mm-hmm. are you an Eagles fan, a Sixer fan? I mean, you know how it is when you're in fourth grade, 19, date myself, 1980, Super Bowl, the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. And I saw this guy named Harold Carmichael, six foot seven wide receiver. I'm like, this guy, this is insane. I never seen a six foot seven wide receiver. So, you know, I envied him. I wanted to be Mike, you know, Mike Quick and Harold Carmichael and all those guys from that generation. So, Eagles fan. In '83, Dr. J, Julius mm-hmm. Irving. Yeah. You know, I called myself Dr. J Co. A lot. And so I would <laughs> Photoshop. Before Photoshop was a thing, I would cut pictures of my yearbook photo and put them on Dr. J's body from Sports Illustrated. And, them on my locker so that was a total idol was dr j um so you know following sports as a kid you know now lifelong i mean i'm still an eagles fan they're the only undefeated team in the nfl mm-hmm. if you're not paying attention sixers got a nice ball club the phillies i'm the yankee fan but let's go phillies the phillies you know everybody hates the astros so hopefully we're all pulling for the phillies but i'm a big college sports guy too yeah. you know the buckeyes Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the Duke Blue Devils in basketball. Garrett will make fun of me. He says that, you know, this might be another Twitter poll. Are you allowed to have two favorite teams in college basketball? I'm a Buckeye and a Duke Blue Devil, and Garrett seems to think that that's not right. All right? So, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? That's, that's tough. That's They're a tough question. They're not the same league. It's not like I like Michigan and a Michigan State. Now, are you just like – did you like Duke because it was Coach K, or did coach you K. like him because they was, ran a yeah, good program? Coach K. When I was a head basketball coach back in the day when it was VHS tapes, mm-hmm. I would order, like, all the Coach K – VHS and study everything he did, you mm-hmm. know, one three one half court traps and everything. So, Coach K, great guy, class act. Now you, we talked about that. How have you been able to balance such a demanding job, such as an athletic director, with your personal life, especially when your kids were here at Perrysburg playing sports? Yeah, I mean, first of all, that was just a very unique opportunity in my life to to have be part of that, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but you also make some sacrifices, and first of all, for them. Uh, you know, there's as much as I wanted this job, as much as I love this job, I'll probably be, always be a part of me that I feel bad that nobody wants to be the son or daughter of an athletic director. Mm-hmm. Let's just be honest, right? So I'm sure their high school career, there were some probably limitations for them, and you know, I'm not sure what happened for them. But, you know, they were always supportive, and I, I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, I got a great assistant AD in Mr. Enline, so he would take over when I wanted to be dad for the night. Or if I wanted to be the AD, and, mm-hmm. and he would run the show so I could go watch the kids and things like that. And now that they're graduated, you know, I have to really work extra hard because all their classmates I coached in big goal. I coached in junior jackets. So now it's a whole new generation of kids that I really got to work hard and get to, get to know them. So um, that was a great, though. Those, I had seven years where I had one of my kids in high school. and this Actually, this is the first year that I know. There's pros to that, too. I mean, so, <laughs> so let's just put it that way. Yeah. So once again, speaking of your personal life, Mr. Jaco, I have a series of questions regarding your uh, band. Yes. So can you talk to us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, so so the history of me in a band, so thank God I didn't play in a band in college, but I always played the guitar. I like played Elvis Presley at the fifth grade talent show, Love Me Tender. <laughs> that was my first debut. and I But I put it away because, you know, I, I had to get studies done and everybody wanted to go make it big, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know, we got to finish school. So after college i started a band with a bunch of friends and um from my high school called positive cheese and uh so my nickname was chucky e. cheese by mm-hmm. one of my baseball coaches and so, <laughs> oh, and so i was a very optimistic person i still am and so positive cheese was kind of my nickname and 
That was our first band, and then I became a band called 12 Dive, which was Ken James, who's still the head football coach at Northwood. He was my coach in 1986, my freshman mm. year. Ran a play called 12 Dive, like, all the time. It was like a fullback mm. dive because he was trying to set up the triple option. So that was kind of an inside joke that our band was called that. Then when I got to Penna, I played in a band called Tin Foil. We played a lot, actually, downtown part in the park. We had our, we're, on, we're actually on iTunes, Tin Foil, mm. uh, some of the stuff that we did. And uh, so that's out there. And then took a huge hiatus when I got the AG, AD job. Yeah. Just, you know, family. Time, and yeah. Time. And so about two years ago during COVID, um, I told this story on BCSN, but we met. Um, and I don't know how much time we have, but. Keep going. So we played Northview. They were 20-0 and 0 and played them in the district final, and we beat them. We want to make mm-hmm. sure we note that. It was a nice upset that day. It was Ben Boros' senior year. And the guy that ran Savage Hall was named Chris Barnhart. And I uh, got to meet him that night for the first time, and then I ran into him again over the summer, and he must have been Facebook snooping in. He saw I me. Mean, I saw that one of your profile pictures playing, like, a bass guitar. And I'm like, yeah, I used to play in a band. And he's like, well, I used to play in a band. So we, put the, we kind of put a band together, right? And uh, that was, like, two years ago. Like, so this is five dads. There's three of us from Perrysburg, mm-hmm. two from Sylvania. <laughs> I did not expect a garage band to take off. But in the <laughs> last year, we've played at the Beer Stube. We've played at the Distillery. We play at the Blarney. We play at Reset. We've got gigs down south. And as of today, this is also breaking news. If you look at my personal Twitter page, oh. at CTJCO3, you will see that the Toledo City Paper has listed the six finalists for best cover man in Toledo. So I'm going to do a shameless plug right here. And Go for it. Please vote of for course. unanimous decision, or at least consider voting for unanimous decision for the City Paper Best of Edition. We are one of the top six cover bands on the finals list. And what, I mean, it's just crazy, right? Like, it's just kind of mm-hmm. cool, but it's been a good ride. And I'll tell you, when I talked earlier about personally taking care of yourself, yeah, man, how fun. It's just fun. And our mm-hmm. set list is very unique. It's very eclectic. I don't think there's any other band in Toledo playing. Like, we'll go from classic rock to, like, we'll play Johnny Cash and the Beatles, and, now, and then we're playing Alice in Chains, and then we're mm-hmm. playing, you know, The Cure, and then we're going into Weezer, and then we're going back to um, CCR. Like, we are all over the place between the 70s to, like, the grunge era, which <laughs> you guys might not remember, but, boy, was that fun. Nirvana and all those, mm-hmm. those bands. So it's a pretty cool band. I'm blessed. These guys are really talented musicians. I just play the bass and lay down the groove. And, <laughs> uh, but it's been fun, and... Things are taking off. I mean, we're playing Mudhead's opening day. Wow, that's down, a big get. We got a wow. there. We're playing, uh, uh, we're playing down, down at the Blarney on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. Eve, which is a big big night for, for downtown and things like that. So for a bunch of old guys, we're having fun, <laughs> you know, and uh, and uh, we're going to kind of ride this wave as long as it goes. So, yeah, unanimous decision has been fun, and, and uh, maybe sometime we can figure out a way to well, – well, we played at the Booster parking lot, mm-hmm. party, right? And that was the first time a lot of people – like, Witnessed it, yeah. Got to see it. And so I think they had fun. I think they enjoyed us. So you mentioned all those different types of styles, yeah. music, and bands that you played. That kind of is going to lead us into our next segment here called Rank It, oh, where yes. we give you the topic and ask you to rank Let's it one go. through five here. So your top five favorite bands would oh, be what? Yeah, so, okay, so you may, may have never heard of some of these bands, but as far as the bands I've seen the most in my life in concert, I would rank, so The Cure is number one. They, they first album came out as a punk band, 78, and they are still touring. It's 2022. It's crazy. The Cure, which is like the first emo rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, number two would be the Pixies, 
which was a band out of Boston. They were the first band to play, kind of do soft verse and then distorted chorus, which was a huge influence on Nirvana and those Seattle bands. So the Pixies, so I'm hoping everybody's Googling these bands because hopefully for you it's brand new music. Uh, number three is going to be Weezer. Love Weezer. Again, they've been around since I was in college, and they're still making albums. Uh, number four is going to be an obscure band out of Austin, Texas called Explosions in the Sky which is a band, if you've ever seen Friday Night Lights, the movie? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So you know the soundtrack, it's all instrumental. Mm -hmm. So explosions in the sky, there's no vocals, there's nobody singing. It's just layers of sonic guitars. It's, it's hypnotic. I've seen them in concert. They're just amazing. Man, number five, oh boy, who probably a rap. I like rap. I used to like, mm -hmm. I used to like gangster rap back in the day. Probably like, uh, it's true, I used to be a rapper. No kidding. Probably like Run DMC. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like Hall of Fame rappers there. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can go on, but I've had a very eclectic life of music in my I life. I can see I mean, that, I was, yeah. I was all about uh, the rap, and then I discovered grunge in college, and I'm kind of stuck on Lithium Channel, on, on Channel 34, I believe, on Sirius. So those are my five favorite bands. You've probably never heard of any of them. I wish I could tell you <laughs> I have. But. So good stuff. Check them out. All right, I will. I like Radiohead, too. Okay, yep. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to shy back over to uh, what the Perrysburg Athletic Department's yep. like. What would you uh, say one word to describe that as? Pride. It, there's a sense of pride um, from the community and the swarm to the coaches to the kids. I mean, who's, we are just – aren't you proud to wear your yellow mm -hmm. jacket gear? I mean, you're, when you're out and about, I, I am. I mean, when I go to NLL meetings and state conferences and when I have Perrysburg stuff on, I'm just I'm proud. And I think that's a trickle-down from everybody in this community. So pride, jacket pride. So the one word you described, the athletic department, is pride. What would you describe with one word Chuck Jacobs? <laughs> um, I've said it, this word before, eclectic. I don't think, you know, you just, in life, you, you know, you see people and they have a persona and all these If you really sat down, like, this is what's cool. Like, we're all human beings and we have just different interest and we got wow this i mean i'm very eclectic with whether it's food and music and i do magic tricks right i mean like i've got little weird talents that people like that i used to teach would tell oh does mr jake will still do magic he used to do it every friday so mm -hmm. every now and then i don't know if you've been exposed to the magic coloring mm -hmm. book or the mexican peso trick I can't been, say that i have there's been a few i randomly will come out in the cafeteria just so the word of mouth spreads like oh my god that was crazy. Right. So, so there's like things you don't know about people, right? And so, and I mean, so to me, eclectic, but I also think I'm approachable, right? I think that I want kids to be able to talk and have an open door and just know that I'm here and I'm rooting for you and I'm supportive. And sometimes I got to make tough decisions on code of conduct, but everything's like a learning experience, right? And my grandpa would always say, if you stumble twice over the same stone, you deserve to fall. My job is to help kids so they don't fall for the second time. We make mistakes. The human brain's still developing, right? Mm -hmm. So this goes back to my days as a dean. Like when you're working with kids and, you know, we just want to make sure you're making right decisions. And, and so I'm not always out to get you type of thing. But, yeah, I think a very eclectic human being. I'm not saying I'm the world's most interesting man. But uh, there's some things like, wow, that's kind of cool. Like gangster rap. You didn't know that. I used to like that <laughs> stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So still listen to it. Every now and then, when I'm in the mood. I like, like, Wu-Tang Clan. Like, I like <laughs> wow. a Tribe Called Quest. I'm talking, like, guys like Nas. These guys were, like, lyricists. I want people, like, I'm talking. Joel is stunned right yeah, now. You guys can't see his face, yeah, but. Yeah, so 
I mean, those, those, the, yeah. So I don't know if you've ever seen the history of hip hop on Netflix. Evolution no. of hip hop. No. Watch it. It goes back to like the Sugar Hill Gang, like 78, all the way to different, like different genres of rap. Houston, the Miami scene, New York scene, obviously Notorious B.I.G. and the Tupac era, right? So, yeah, that's, that's me, and I'm a pretty eclectic guy. So. I'll try to get me and Jack to tune into that. Of course. <laughs> Evolution of hip-hop, man. All right, I'm telling yes, you, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Now, you talked about pride and passion in that yes. athletic department. Yes. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you feel the impact of the Swarm is and the golden megaphone chase? Listen, um, so <laughs> Mr. Snodgrass comes to our games. He used to be the commissioner of the Ohio High School Athletic Association. He's got grandkids that go to Perrysburg. So mm-hmm. this, this gentleman has been all over the state of Ohio during his tenure as OHSA commissioner. When he comes to Perrysburg Steinacker Stadium on a Friday night and he looks at me and he looks up at the swarm and he shakes his head and says, this doesn't exist anywhere else. When I talk about pride, right? I mean, I get tears in my eyes. That student section is unbelievable. They are the thriving force of everything out there. And you know what's the coolest part of them is, first of all, they don't leave. Until the end of the game, which you see student body halftime, the kids take off, right? they got other things to do on a Friday. The swarm stays no matter what the score is, and they interact with, like, the band and the cheerleaders. Like, mm-hmm. you talk about a family. That that doesn't exist. This is insane what we have here. So is it still one nothing out there? It is still one nothing. if you guys you. don't know what we're talking about. Well. There's a girls' <laughs> soccer regional semifinal going on behind us. Anthony Wynn in Northview, it is one nothing. if I told you guys you that cared. Scored, that scored, that he scored did. Came five minutes into the game, and I said that's going to be the score. For 50, 60 minutes later. He did say that. So, anyways, I see this script. So, Mr. Jago, thank you for uh, coming on the podcast today. We really enjoyed it. This has been awesome. Yeah. And uh, there is one thing Coach Connor wanted me to get in here. He told me. As we were getting to the end here, he wanted me to get you a hard hitter. So <laughs> thank you for coming on. But normally we have a predetermined guest for next week, yep. but we decided we didn't have one yet. And what better person to give us our next guest than the person who makes this happen? So, Mr. Jaco, tell the viewers who we are going to interview next week. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Um, <clears throat> the, the, you know, the leader of the school system is Mr. Tom Hostler. And I tell you, there's, you know, to have a boss who's that supportive and gives us, you know, some what his leadership has done helps me in my job. I think you need to bring down Mr. Hostler to the hive as a, as a candidate. I think that would be a phenomenal next guest. I think that is a great recommendation. I can see our producers nodding their head back there. Joel, anything else you want to get in here today? No, I think we're all set. And I would like to say sorry for almost cutting the interview short. Oh, no, Joel. That was that was on me. You know, my computer died, so I look like us out here with no notes to go off I here. I have got a two-second uh, delay on the show, <laughs> I hope, right? Hey, listen, this, I, I want to I give you guys a shout-out in the gals here. This is, uh, this is awesome, and I'm proud of everything you're doing. And um, this is really cool and to be part of this and be behind the scenes. I could, I could really – we could go on for another hour. Of I course, we, I know we've yeah. got time limits, and our sponsors only only supported like forty minutes of airtime. But uh, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, keep doing great things. This is really cool, and you know, someday when this thing is is evolved into full mass production, you're going to be the founding fathers and mm-hmm. founding mothers of the Jacket Sports Network. Like you're the roots of this, you're the foundation, and I appreciate all the work you're putting into this. So, thank you for everything you do to support Yellow Jacket Athletics and and, and really uh, make me proud to be part of this. So thank you. Thank you for coming on. We couldn't appreciate any more. This has been another episode of 
Inside the Hive, a Jacket Sports Nation production. Joel, to the moon, baby. To the moon, baby. (laughs) 